And take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Daniel, the book of Daniel. You know, we're continuing our little sermon series here, dealing with uh, this idea of being self-aware, self-awareness. Let me ask a question. This is a dumb question because I already know the answer. Do we have any football fans in the house this morning? Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? Yeah, but your team probably isn't as good as mine, but we'll leave that there. Listen, have you ever noticed that announcers? The thing is, I know who some of y'all like, and I judge you in my mind. Amen? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Football's fun. Have you ever heard this expression, and your team probably doesn't have many, but this idea called playmakers, where somebody is a playmaker, right? Uh, You hear this on ESPN all the time, right? Oh, so-and-so, Alvin Kamara, that boy's a playmaker. Look at this next slide. Playmakers position themselves in the right place at the right time to make plays. That's what they mean when they say uh, playmaker. You know, there's playmakers in every area of life, on your job, at the shop you work in, maybe the business. There are people that somehow, some way, they're always in the right place at the right time to be in position to make things happen. Now, sometimes these are the people other people talk about, right? But the truth is they're playmakers. And other people might say that they're lucky. They're not lucky. They are playmakers. Right place at the right time. You should desire to be a playmaker, right? To be in the right place at the right time. God wants us to be at the right place at the right time. God wants us to be hashtag blessed. Can you say that with me on the count of three? I want you to do your hands too. Do your little fingers, little hashtag. All, all the older people in the house, do the pound sign. Amen? On your old your phone, do the, the pound symbol. On the count of three, we're going to say hashtag blessed. One, two, three, hashtag blessed. By the way, let's try that again. But this time, on blessed, you got to get a little breathy. So it's kind of like this. Listen, it's like hashtag blessed. All right? One, two, three, hashtag blessed. Listen, that has nothing to do with it. Thank you for being quiet. I can't believe you did it. Listen, what does it mean to be hashtag blessed in this world that we live in? In 2019, in this westernized version of Christianity, many people believe the blessed life is about health, wealth, no sickness, no consequences, no pain, no problems, and never any persecution. But that just ain't true. The blessed life isn't like that. The Bible doesn't say that. And the blessed life isn't the easiest life. It isn't the life with the most comfort. Now, ultimately, even as believers, if we live the hashtag blessed life, what happens is it's not pain-free, it's not easy, but it means ultimately Christ wins, so we win. Does that make sense? We will have the victory. Look at this next slide. The blessed life is being at the right place at the right time to be used by God. That's when you're blessed. That's what it means to be blessed. Now, you're going to experience some junk and funk and and all that in your life. But when we live with this sense of self-awareness, which is something that we've been talking about, there are a lot of people that are not self-aware. They're very self-unaware. They don't know who they are. They don't know who they are in Christ. They don't have a clue. You don't know why on earth God put you here on earth to begin with, right? You don't know your creator, so how can you know what you were made for? You can't. What does it mean to have self-awareness? It means I've got some discernment. I've got some wisdom that God has given me some insight. I know who I am because I know who he is. People who are self-aware are the playmakers. People that are self-unaware, they're the ones that are not the playmakers. They're not at the right place at the right time to do the right things, 
right? People who are self-unaware, they just see themselves, right? It's all about me. It's what makes me look good. It's what makes me feel good. It's like why, what benefits me, what makes me happy, and nothing else really matters. That's the difference between being self-aware and self-unaware. There's this guy in the Bible. We've been talking about him for a few weeks now, and his name is Daniel. Daniel, I don't think there's any secret. I've been saying it each and every week, but and the Bible points it out, was an amazing guy. Daniel was awesome. This dude, anybody named Daniel in here this morning? See my hand named Daniels? Mm, 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 mm. Well, listen, listen, that bothers me. Daniel was amazing, godly man, and it's a wonderful biblical name. Daniel had some friends. You remember his friend's name? Are there any Shadrach, Meshach, or Abednego's here this morning? No? Listen, we, I know we've got some pregnant ladies in the house, and I'm offering a $100 bill to any woman that has triplets and names them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, that $100 won't buy you one week's worth of groceries or diapers or formula or anything else. But wouldn't that be cool? I, would, I wish my parents had named me that. Uh, hi, I want to introduce you to Reverend Shadrach. <laughs> Pastor Abednego. I would just like to see everybody struggle saying my name all the time. That would be amazing. But listen, let me catch you up. So in the life of Daniel, what's happened is we talked about the Babylonians would invade another country. And when they did that, they took the best, of the, the best gold, the best silver, the best treasure. They would even take their gods, lowercase g gods, and assimilate them into the Babylonian theology or whatever. And they would also take the best and brightest People That was Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and others. And they would take these people and bring them into their country and raise them up to be Babylonians. That's how Daniel wound up in Babylon. Now, we talked about some kings over the last few weeks. Look at this next slide. The first one, his name was Nebuchadnezzar. Maybe that'd be a good preacher name. Hey, it's Pastor Nebuchadnezzar. Now, that'd be a bad one. Listen, Nebuchadnezzar was completely self-unaware. He was ate up with himself. Have you ever met anybody like that? Ate up with pride, no humility at all. He was self-unaware, but he was a guy who had dreams. God was always giving him dreams. And so one time he had a dream, and, uh, and he told all of his people, his ast astrologers, right? His, uh, you know, you people that read your horoscopes? Stop that! All right, and uh, the, all of his horoscope readers and writers, his astrologers, his magicians, his, uh, the people that practice witchcraft, you know, people that read horoscopes. And so he got all these people together and, and, and said, he said, now I'm a Virgo. No, he didn't. Okay, I'm making all that. Listen, he got all these people together, and he wouldn't tell them what the dream was. He said, I want you to tell me what the dream was, and I want you to give me an interpretation. And if you can't do it, I'm taking heads off at high noon, Right? I'm cracking skulls permanently. And so these people, they don't know what his dream was, right? They're just a bunch of pagans. And so um, and they, Daniel finds out. So Daniel prays and asks God, and God gives Daniel the dream and gives him the interpretation for the dream. So he shows up for King Nebuchadnezzar, and he says, Oh, man, Nezer, here's the dream. There was a statue. The head was made out of gold. And then all, all these other details. And there's this rock, and it was amazing. But, oh, King Nezer, you're the head of gold. Yours, this is the first kingdom. There's going to be other kingdoms that come later. Now, instead of old Nebuchadnezzar giving God the glory and the credit for the dream, right, and the fact that God was showing something to him and speaking to the prophet Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar took this information then went out and built himself a statue made of gold out of him, right? It was in his image. And he built this giant statue and said, everybody's got to come and worship my image. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wouldn't come worship the image. And when they wouldn't bow down, old King Nebuchadnezzar threw them in the fiery furnace. But Jesus showed up and delivered them from the fiery furnace. And had, old Nezer got to see a miracle right there in person. 
Number one, not only did Jehovah God send a man named Daniel to tell him what his dream was, when nobody knew what his dream was, and to give them interpretation, not only did he do that, but he delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace right there in front of Nebuchadnezzar's eyes. Now, do you think he changed his life at that moment? No, but he did. He was taking a step in the right direction because he said, Listen, Jehovah God's amazing. Anybody that says anything about it against Jehovah God, I'm going to kill them graveyard dead. Which is nice, I guess. But I've noticed throughout history, the people that are always for killing the people, the people that are always for killing other people over God are usually the people that you don't want on your side. So anyway, so fast forward, he has another dream. And old Nebuchadnezzar is completely full of himself. And he has this dream, and it freaks him out, brings Daniel in, watch the dream. Daniel tells him the interpretation for the dream. And basically, Cliff Notes' version is this. Nebuchadnezzar, God is going to humble you. God is going to humble you. You're full of yourself. And then Daniel says, but maybe, if, man, if you, take care, if you do some things the right way, you start being a good person, stop being so proud all, the, proud all the time, maybe if you do things right, God will relent and he will not humble you. And Nebuchadnezzar didn't listen. Then God humbled him. And then finally, Nebuchadnezzar recognized Jehovah God as the one true God. Now, after Nebuchadnezzar, look at this next slide. There came Belshazzar. Now, Belshazzar was the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. Belshazzar is the millennial hipster king, okay? This guy, he's the guy that likes to sit in a cafe, not Starbucks, too cool for that. Sits in a cafe with his skinny jeans on, uh, on his iPhone. Uh, they cost him $1,000 complaining about capitalism. Okay? And so this is the guy, and, and what he is... This hipster millennial king, Belshazzar, he loved to party. Life was a party, and party was all his life was about. And so here he is, and he decides to throw a party. He's partying with his wives. He's, he has his wives, has his concubines, has his friends, has his strippers, has the cocaine, has the alcohol. He's just having a party. See, Belshazzar, when he sinned, he didn't sneak around and do it. He put it on Instagram for everybody to see, Okay. And so Belshazzar's throwing this big party, and they're having a big time with his wives and the concubines, the strippers and the drugs and the alcohol. And then they, uh, he calls for the golden vessels that were from the temple uh, that were used for worship in Jerusalem in the, at the temple. And so now they're drinking out of these vessels that were supposed to be separated, sanctified for worshiping God only. And so they're drinking out of them, they're eating out of them, and what they're saying is they're throwing it in God's face, right? You're not God, I'm God. That's what Belshazzar is basically saying. And then suddenly, some handwriting shows up on the plaster on the wall, and there's these words that are written on the wall. Freaks Belshazzar out, like it would you, like it would me. And they have to call, and then Belshazzar's Nene or Granny or whatever you, Mima, Mamu, whatever you call your grandmother, his grandmother shows up and he's like, calm down, Belshazzar, everything's okay. There's this guy, his name's Daniel. He really helped your granddaddy out. Call Daniel. So Daniel comes in. Hey, can you read this writing on the wall? We're all freaking out, man. And so he said, can you read this writing on the wall? He gives a translation, and basically what it says, Belshazzar, you've been weighed and found wanting, right? You've been weighed in the balance. You're found wanting. Your, your kingdom's over. I'm about to give it to somebody else. And sure enough, that very night, Belshazzar lost his life because the Medes and the Persians were coming in to take over Babylon. Look at this next slide. And then that brings us to King Darius. King Darius was over the Medes and the Persians, like I said, and he's the one that took Belshazzar out. Now, Darius was smart and stupid. You ever met anybody like that? Smart and stupid? All wrapped into one. Don't look at anybody. Listen. 
He had some wisdom because Darius recognized one thing all these kings, these very successful kings had in common was Daniel. That Daniel was a good man, a faithful man. He's always there. He's always by their side. He's wise, you know, and he's just a good man and smart, and God blesses him. So Darius says, I need somebody to run Babylon for me, right, in my new kingdom of Babylon. I'm going to get Daniel, make him my number one guy, put him in charge of everything, and this will be great. But Darius' problem is he told everybody everything. Have you ever met somebody like that? Like, just talks too much and just tells everybody everything. And so his Babylonian board of directors finds out that he's going to make Daniel number one. Well, they wanted to be number one. They didn't like Daniel being number one, these wicked, evil, pagan people. And so they come up with a scheme to take Daniel, take Daniel out. So they come to the king, and they're like, Oh, King Darius, live forever. Now, do you think they meant it? Oh, King Darius, live forever. And basically, they say, we think we've all met and voted, which was a lie. Daniel wasn't there. Shadrach wasn't there. Meshach wasn't there. Abednego wasn't there. But we've all gathered. The board of directors have gathered, and we have taken a vote. And we think that there should be 30 days of King Darius. For 30 days, nobody should worship or, or pray to any other god but King Darius. And if anybody prays to any other god, their life should be taken. They should be thrown into the den of lions. So what Daniel do? Right? They made this decree, and Darius falls for it. He's ate up with pride, man. 30 days of me sounds good. 30 days of King Darius, right? And, uh, and it'll just be all about me. Maybe, hey, it's, it's Darius Pride Month. And so then he has his own month. What does Daniel do? He goes and he prays just like he always did. Right? It didn't stop him. He prayed anyway. Why? Because he was faithful. And then Daniel's thrown into the lion's den, and Darius doesn't want to. But in that, in that kingdom, the Medes and the Persians, when the king wrote something and made a decree, it could not be changed. It could not be altered. It's like when you send that email and you wish you could take, bring it back. Right? Or you send something and it's got like, you send a text, it's got all kind of typos in it. Am I the only one that can't spell the first time evidently? But listen, once he said it, it could not be changed. So he said it, they wrote it, it couldn't be changed. Daniel prayed, he had to be thrown in the den of lions. And Darius did not want Daniel thrown in the den of lions, but because he was a fool, he got played like a fool. But Daniel, he goes in there into the den of lions, spends the night, I guess he curled their hair, brushed their teeth, because God spared him, nothing happened, right? He named them, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he probably named them. And so, but listen, God delivered him yet again. Why did God deliver him? Well, because he was faithful. He was a good man. He didn't care about power and glory. He only cared about God's glory, not his own. It is amazing to me, when you look at the life of Daniel, there's one word, hashtag blessed. He was blessed. God took him. He was a captive from his own home, and God used him to speak into the life of kings for generations. God blessed him in a great way. He was in Babylon a minimum of 70 years. 70 years, and he was faithful, a place that absolutely hated God and was hostile to God, yet he did not compromise, he did not back down, but yet he wasn't a jerk. Have you met any Christian jerks lately? I have. Scott, not kidding. You're the only one I know. Hey, man, listen. Christian, that was nice. But listen, have you met any? And it's amazing that Daniel was in this pagan culture, this pagan society, absolutely faithful, absolutely true to God, taking a stand for God, and yet he wasn't a jerk. 
You know how I know? He's the right hand of the king for generation after generation after generation after generation. Because of his walk with God, he was hashtag blessed. He was a playmaker, and he did it for 70 years. He, all he cared about was knowing God. That's it, and making God known. Now, how does that happen? Write this down. When you're self-aware like Daniel, you're going to have resolve. Resolve. You will have made a decision. If you don't know God, you're not walking with him. That's never going to happen. You won't stand strong. You won't. One of the benefits of knowing God is knowing yourself. You don't know God. You don't know you. You don't know yourself. Right? The hashtag blessed life is being in the right position at the right time, doing the right thing for the right reason and for the right person, and that's Jesus Christ. That's the blessed life. That's why God has left us here. Have you ever thought about why God has left you here? Why didn't he just save you and take you home? He left you here so you could be the right person at the right place at the right time, doing the right thing for the right reason for the right person, him. But don't think of living the blessed life. Like you'll hear these preachers, you know, I just want to holy hand smack them, right? You'll never be sick. You'll never get hurt. You'll never be persecuted. Healthy, wealthy, wise, all of your days, blab it, blab it, name it, claim it, all that garbage. It's a perversion of the gospel. It ain't so, if I may speak a little West Tennessee. It just ain't so. It's not true. But Daniel had resolve. He made up his mind from the very beginning that he was going to be faithful. He didn't care what anybody else did or said. Look at this next slide. We should disobey anyone who asks us to disobey God. Anyone. Anytime. Any place. Now, okay, so what we're going to do is... We're going to jump on our time machine because when I look at somebody like Daniel, I want to know why. Why, why, why? How did we get a faithful 90-year-old man, generations of faithfulness and honesty and integrity, how do we get there? How, do, how can you be a faithful 90-year-old woman, a 90-year-old man who's not afraid of a lion's den? Well, you remember we talked about in the beginning, they bring them boys, they would take the best of a country into Babylon, and they took Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and others, and brought them into Babylon, and basically entered them into a three years master's degree program, where they tried to deprogram the Jew in them and make them Babylonian, right? They get immersed in the culture, they read their books, they drink their food, they drink their wine, right? Uh, they try to make you Babylonian to the core. They even change their names. Now look at Daniel chapter 1. We finally get into your Bible, okay? Daniel chapter 1 and verse number 6. It says, from now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave names, uh, Daniel, the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. The king, listen, the idea about this is you're trying to replace their identity. You're trying to get them to identify with Babylonian culture and no longer to identify with Jewish culture. He wanted to make them Babylonian. And their new names would help assimilate them into the culture. Look at this next slide. But I want you to see how beautiful their names were in the Hebrew language. Daniel, you see the E-L-L, that's God. Daniel means God is my judge. Hananiah means the Lord shows grace. Mishael means who is like God. And Azariah means the Lord helps. Right? And so they have these amazing, meaningful Jewish names, and they want to change them because they want to change their religious loyalty from being good Jews to being good Babylonians. They're in essence saying, you're God lost. We've conquered you, so give up on this whole Jehovah God, this one true God thing, and now you're going to follow our gods. But Daniel's and these boys were resolved. 
Write this down. Resolve means to be committed to a course of action. When you're resolved, you're absolutely committed to a course of action. Self-awareness will give you resolve. And when you're resolved, you're committed to a course of action. You've got standards in your life. You've got places where you will not compromise. But look how Daniel responded. Go down to verse number 8. It says, but Daniel, he purposed in his heart. He resolved that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. This food and drink evidently went against uh, Daniel's, uh, the Jewish, uh, uh, what was clean and unclean at the time. And so even though he's now in Babylon, listen, I'm tell you about Daniel. Daniel didn't do what everybody else did. See, everybody else says what happens in Babylon stays in Babylon. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? What, what happens on the cruise stays on the cruise. What happens in Mexico stays in Mexico. What happens on vacation stays on vacation. That didn't matter to Daniel. Look at this next slide. Location has nothing to do with faithfulness. Location has nothing to do with faithfulness. Look at me. You don't believe me? Ask your wife. Ask your husband. Does their location and how close or not close they are to you physically at the moment diminish the amount of faithfulness they're supposed to show to your relationship? Does the fact that you're over here at, at Grace Baptist Church this morning and they're on the job somewhere, does that change how faithful they're supposed to be this morning? Or how faithful? You, not a bit. Do you think the fact that we go on vacation or we change locations has anything to do with the amount of faithfulness that we should show God? Location has nothing to do with faithfulness. Now, so Daniel asked if him and his friends could go on this vegetable and water diet for 10 days, like a trial run, so they wouldn't have to be unclean from eating the king's food, drinking the king's wine. So they asked to go on this vegetable water diet. Let's call it a cleanse. They wanted to do a cleanse, okay? Now, isn't it true that it's easier to resist temptation when you've decided ahead of time? When you've decided ahead of time? When you've, uh, you've thought it through, you've prayed it through, you've looked at God's word, you've made the decision in your heart before it ever comes time to make the decision on the outside. It makes all the difference. Write this down. Spiritual discipline is doing what you ought to do so that then you can do what God wants you to do. You, spiritual discipline is doing what you ought to do so that God can then use you to do what he wants you to do. When I won't do what I ought to do, God can't use me for what he could be using me for and what he should be using me for, but I messed up. And my uh, Jocko uh, Wilnick, he's a Navy SEAL guy. He does, uh, anyway, he says something very similar to this, discipline. He gets up every morning, takes a picture, puts it on Instagram, 4.30 in the morning. He's like, get some, attack, right? He calls it earning the sunrise. He's already put in more work before the sun comes up than a lot of us can imagine. But the idea is this. He says, if I'm disciplined and I do what I should do when it's time to do it, then I can do what I want to do when I want to do that. Same thing is true in our spiritual disciplines. It's doing what you ought to do so that you can then do what God wants you to do. And when you read about the life of Daniel, he's all about this, man. Daniel has this down. Because Daniel was surrendered to God, Daniel knew God. And because Daniel knew God, that means he knew himself. And because he knew himself, he was determined to do what God wanted him to do. And because he was determined to please God, regardless of the location, regardless of the situation, he was able, God was able to do things through the life of Daniel that he never would have done if Daniel had been unfaithful. Never. That's why Daniel was hashtag blessed.
His self-awareness comes from knowing God, and knowing God gave his life mission and purpose. So these guys, they asked for a 10-day test. 10 days, vegetables and water. We're going to go this 10-day cleanse. And um, they go on that water and veggie diet so they wouldn't sin. And at the end of the 10 days, Daniels and his friends look better than everybody else has been eating the food and drinking the wine, right? Like some of you drinkers, y'all know y'all get puffy face. Have you even noticed that? You see people and their face is all bloated. Well, because you're a sot, man. You're, you're like, literally, you're bloated. But Daniel and these guys are drinking water. <laughs> don't, don't reach up there and check right now, okay? I, guess, I don't know. Preacher looks kind of bloated. All right, listen. So they're drinking water and veggies. At the end of the 10 days, they look better than the guys that are eating the king's food, drinking the king's wine. So what was the result? They were blessed. Man, look at this verse, Daniel chapter 1, verse 17. It says, as for these four young men, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it says, God gave them knowledge and skill and all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding and all visions and dreams. In other words, God blessed them. Why? Because they were faithful. Because Daniel knew God and what God desired. That meant Daniel knew himself. He had made the decision to trust God and be faithful to God way before they ever got to Babylon. He, you don't show up in Babylon in chains and decide, now I'm going to trust Jesus. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm going to risk my life for this God I'm barely serving. He made that decision long before it ever came to this time to deal with this food. Long before. And because he made that decision, and because he made this decision, and every decision that followed based on the lens of his relationship with God, God blessed him. He spoke into the life of kings for generations. Daniel was a history changer. What does that mean for us? What do we need to do? Write this down. You need to decide now, man, what is acceptable in your life. If you're a believer, you need to decide now and make some tough decisions about what is okay and what's not okay in your life. Look in your notes there, Proverbs 21, verse 5. It says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. The, the, the principle here is the idea of you've decided ahead of time. Right? You've decided ahead of time. We need to stop reacting to temptation and acting knowing what our decisions already are. Make a choice. For example, if you decided that you're going to live a life of purity, right? I know God calls me as a believer to live a life of purity. You're going to, you don't have to decide when you get alone with some boy on the couch what you're going to do. You don't have to decide when you're an adult and you're going out on a date how that date's going to end when you've already made a decision that you're going to be pure for your God. So you're making those decisions. You're going to do what you ought to do later on in your life. God can do what only God can do through your life right i don't wait until the alarm goes off in the morning to decide whether or not i'm gonna have a quiet time because if i wait till then guess what's not happening you you decide ahead of time you don't wait till the moment when the peer pressure is just overwhelming you decide whether or not you're going to tell the truth you make those decisions ahead of time now how do we do this like really practically really quick number one write this down we need to bite-size our life bite-size our life what does that mean? Who, who likes sushi? Sushi, 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 One of my favorite things is that bite. Okay, raise your hand. Okay, who eats their sushi like the whole piece, one bite? Raise your hand. Okay, okay, put your hands down. Now, who, who bites that? Who, anybody do the bite size? I'm not going to. Okay, it was only ladies. I was going to say, you weirdos. Amen. Just put that in you. You should have got those little mouths. Amen. <laughs> Listen, one of my favorite things about sushi is I just take that thing, put it in my mouth. And Alicia's like, hey, I'll order something. Maybe I, and she said, what all's in there? I'm like, I don't know. It's just good. 
Amen. Does that have your name off some ingredient? I don't know. You better check it out. Listen, we need to bite-size our life. What does that mean? So many of us are worried more about long-term than right now. But let me tell you, the best relief that you have for day-to-day decision-making is when you've already made the big decisions ahead of time. We're worrying about tomorrow while we're living in sin today. Get today right, and then tomorrow will take care of itself. It'll be even easier. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 34, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own thing. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. God gave you 1,440 minutes today. 1,440 moments used today. Do what you ought to do today. And then tomorrow, God will do with you uh, what only he can do with you. Number two, write this down. Some of y'all need to get the right gang. You need to get the right gang. You run around with the wrong people. You run around with the wrong crowd. Here's what I know. I got to move on. Listen, here's what I know. There were some backsliders in Daniel's crowd. It wasn't all the Jews didn't show up faithful, taken in chains to Babylon and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel, they're faithful, but everybody wasn't. You know, there were some backsliders in the group. They're like, "Hey, man. Hey, Daniel. When in Rome, do the Romans, brah." Right? Listen, when, what happens in Babylon stays in Babylon, dude. I don't, all backslidden Jews are obviously like surfers to me. Amen? But listen, you know they were there. You know they were people who hadn't made the big decision already. I'm going to live a life surrendered to God. And then when they get in Babylon and there's the king's food and the king's wine and all of the temptation, and they're like, Psh. I'm going with this. And it was sin for them to do that. Remember, Christianity is about the remnant. Look at this next slide. Sometimes your circle has to get smaller before it can get better. Some of you are just worried about your circle getting smaller. That's not the problem. Your circle isn't small enough. Sometimes your circle might have to get smaller before it can get better. Number three, write this down. You also need to be consistent in prayer. If you're going to be like Daniel, you've got to get consistent in prayer. Remember when uh, Darius passed that decree? Nobody can pray. 30 days of Darius. Live your best life now. 30 days of Darius. 30 days of me. What did Daniel do? Look in your notes. Daniel 6 verse 10. It says, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before God, as was his custom since early days. Daniel didn't wait for the persecution to come to start praying. Daniel was a praying man. So when the hard times came, he did what came natural. He prayed. Too many of us are doing the opposite. We don't pray at all. And then the hard times come, and then we're trying to ring it up. We're trying to gin up a relationship that's gone cold because we're not praying people. The emergency comes. The persecution comes. The difficult decision comes. And we're like, oh, God. And we feel like we don't hear an answer. It's because he doesn't recognize your number. You know when those spammers call, you look at your phone, you don't recognize that number, and you're like, keep voicemail. Some of you, there's distance in your relationship with God because you're not a man of prayer. You're not a woman of prayer. You need to get consistent in prayer. Daniel just kept on praying, man, because he always did. Next, write this down. Also, if you're going to be a man of, like Daniel, a woman like Daniel, you need to get in God's word. Why? Right? We're talking about being self-aware. 99.9% of God's will for your life is found in the Word of God. It's already there. And do we really expect God to give us more when we're not obeying what He's already given us? Again, 
Listen, because Daniel was surrendered to God, he knew God. And because Daniel knew God, he knew himself. And because he knew himself and what a sinner he was, he was determined, he was resolved to do those things that he should do so that God, only God, could do those other things through his life. He was determined to please God regardless of the location, regardless of the situation. And God was able to do amazing, incredible things through the life of Daniel that he never could have done on his own. Self-aware. Daniel was resolved that he was going to be a man of God. And because of that, he was blessed. Daniel was resolved that regardless of the consequences, I'm following God. No matter where I'm at, the location didn't matter. The situation didn't matter. Persecution didn't matter. Daniel was resolved, and because of that resolve, he's blessed. Don't you want to be blessed? Let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this true, this wonderful book of Daniel, this amazing man that you used in great ways. Lord, we recognize that he is fallible, that he sinned, he's not perfect. But God, we're so grateful for his example that here thousands and thousands of years later that we can read his example and apply it to our lives. Listen, every head bowed, every eye closed. You're here this morning, you know that you're saved, right? You know that you're saved. You've done business with God. You don't have any doubt about that. The Holy Spirit confirms with your spirit. You're a child of God. And our prayer for us, our application prayer for believers this morning, is actually, it's pretty simple. Right? Our prayer is this. I want to be resolved to be the man of God, the woman of God that God is calling me to be. I want to do what I ought to do so God can do what only he can do in my life. Is that your prayer this morning? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's slip your hand up all over the sanctuary. I want to pray for all of us, all of us. Father God, thank you again so much for your word and this example. Lord, help us, help us to be more and more like you. Lord, help us to know you. Help us to know ourselves. Lord, help us to determine and stand on solid ground to please you, regardless of the consequences. Lord, regardless of the situation or the location. God, help us to be surrendered so that you can do through us amazing things, things we may not even understand until the other side of eternity. God, may we be your surrendered people. Glorify yourself in our life. Listen, every head bowed, every eye closed. Be respectful of those around you for just a moment. There's those of you this morning, you don't know that you're saved, man. You don't know that you know. Listen, God's word is clear. You can know that you're saved. You can know. Look up for just a second. In the Bible, it tells us that Daniel's resolved, right? Daniel was resolved, and uh, he was a great man of God. You know, there was another man of God in the Bible that was resolved too, and his name was Jesus. Jesus resolved to come to earth and live a sinless life, to go to the cross, to die as a sacrifice so that we could be uh, forgiven of our sins, ascended in, in, at the right hand of the Father. Jesus was resolved. Look at this verse, Luke chapter 9, verse 51. This is right before Jesus is going to the cross. It says, Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He made up his mind to take your sins and my sins. He was resolved. He had you. And what's amazing about this, we're talking about deciding ahead of time. You know, when you make a decision early, it's easier to follow through with it. It's the fact that Jesus had decided to save me way before I was ever even born. 
before I existed. And the council halls of eternity, Jesus had resolved that he was going to come and die for sinful men and women like you and like me. That he was going to take, and even though the devil and the demons had to have been shouting at him when he's up there on the cross, come, it's not worth it. They're not worth it. Because I shared this in the early service, but I've let Jesus down. Have you? He knew that I was going to let him down, and he still went to the cross. He was resolved, man. Resolved. And he could have called on a hundred million angels to come let him down and snap of a finger, but he didn't. With just one word, but he didn't because he was resolved, man. He had decided that you were worth it, that I was worth it. So he took all of your lies, all of your hate, all of your bigotry, all of your, your negativity, your gossip, your criticism, all of your adultery, your lust, your greed, your pride. He took it all and he chose to take it. He was resolved and he took every bit of it upon himself. It says that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He was resolved. And that he's given us an opportunity to be in a position where we can receive him as our Lord and Savior and to be forgiven because he loves us. And he decided that a long time ago. As a matter of fact, that's why he's got you here this morning so that you could hear this message and respond to the gospel. Have you resolved to surrender yourself, your life, your all to Jesus Christ? See, here's the bad news. If you haven't, he hasn't. Oh, he's resolved. He's decided that he wants to save you, but it's not automatic, man. You've got to choose Jesus. He already chose you. He wants to put your yes with his yes. But if you say no to Jesus, someday on that day of judgment, he has to say no to you. Resolve now. Choose Jesus. You don't have any other options. He loves you and he died for you. And he wants to forgive you, and he'll do it right now. Let's pray one more time. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No looking around. Be respectful. You're here this morning. You know that you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know that you need to be saved. Listen, I just want to pray with you. I will not embarrass you. I promise you know that. I will not single you out. We will not dra drag you for nothing. I just want to pray with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Right now, in your seat, and you're just like, Brother Marcus, I want to pray to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Slip your hand up for just a second. God bless you. I see you. God bless you. I see you. See you. God bless you. God bless you. Who else? All right, let's pray together. You can put your hands down. Why don't you just pray a prayer like this? It's not the prayer. It's you surrendering to God, humbling yourself in your heart to God. You can just pray a prayer like this and say, Father God, I'm a sinner. He knows. Just agree with him. Lord, I'm a sinner. I do dirt. Lord, and sometimes I do it on purpose. But God, I turn from my sin and I'm turning to Jesus. Save me, Jesus. Tell him, Lord, I'm placing my faith on your death, burial, and resurrection. All of me to all of you. Save me, Jesus. Listen, if you pray that prayer, Scripture's clear. Anyone, anyone, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Did you just call on them? I want to encourage you to make that decision public. And follow through like with Caden and be baptized. Maybe you're here this morning, you've prayed that prayer at some other point. But you've not followed through with baptism. It's the first step of obedience. Why don't you come and be baptized? Or maybe you know this morning that your baptism is on the other side of your salvation. Baptism is for saved people. You get saved, then you get baptized. Is your baptism out of order? Come this morning. We'll rejoice and celebrate with you. Get that in the right order. 
Has God spoken to you about Grace Baptist Church being your church family, your church home? Is this your church home? Has God confirmed that in your heart and in your life? Why don't you come this morning and make it public? Make it official. Put on the jersey. Be a part of the team. Grow roots right here at Grace. This is your church. Make it official. If God is calling you to do that, do that. But whatever you do this morning, do business with God. We've got this invitation and we're not going to get it back. Father God, we surrender this time to you. We love you. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with me? Just as I have.